Suicide is not the easiest thing to satirise, but this is what happened in the wake of an event that occurred on July the 15th, 1974. Christina Chubbuck, a journalist with WXLT-TV, a local network broadcasting in Florida, took to the news desk of her morning show Suncoast Digest to deliver a special report. A few minutes into the item, Chubbuck took out a gun and shot herself in the head. The programme's editor immediately cut to a commercial break, but while Chubbuck's colleagues and audiences were shocked and saddened by the events, two-time Oscar-winning screenwriter Pada Shayevsky reacted differently. Shayevsky had been developing a script set in the world of television, and Chubbuck's suicide was just the catalyst that Shayevsky needed for his satire about a disillusioned news anchor trying to survive the pressure bearing down on him because of poor audience ratings. What added to the trauma of Chubbuck's tragedy was that she had struggled with depression for long periods of her life. Already in therapy, Chubbuck had suggested doing a TV slot on suicide, and just a few days before the fatal broadcast, she had told a colleague that in her research, she had purchased a gun. Seeing that her colleague was perplexed, Chubbuck had then joked about killing herself on air. I'm going to kill myself. Oh, shit, Howard. I'm going to blow my brains out right on the air, right in the middle of the 7 o'clock news. You get a hell of a rating, I'll guarantee you that. 50 share, easy. You think so? Sure. We can make a series out of it. Suicide of the week. If George Bernard Shaw was correct in defining satire as society's safety valve, then perhaps the only way to deal with such trauma is to laugh at it. And yet, on the other hand, the diktat in newsrooms across the globe is, if it bleeds, it leads. Reading of Chubbuck's death, Shayevsky recognised that the presenter had skewered several things at once. News, ratings and violence. Look, we've got a bunch of hobgoblin radicals called the Ecumenical Liberation Army who go around taking home movies of themselves robbing banks. Maybe they'll take movies of themselves kidnapping heiresses, um, hijacking 747s, bombing bridges, assassinating ambassadors. Well, we'd open each week's segment with that authentic footage, hire a couple of writers to write some story behind that footage, and we've got ourselves a series. A series about a bunch of uh, bank-robbing guerrillas? What are we going to call it, the Mousy Tung Hour? Shayevsky knew a lot about television. Having begun writing for the Philco Television Playhouse on NBC in the 1950s, his big breakthrough came with Marty, a 50-minute drama about a Bronx butcher who, aged 36, despairs of ever finding love. Broadcast on May 24, 1953, such was its immediate success that Shayevsky was asked to lengthen it out to a feature film. And the film's success? In 1955, Marty won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Sooner or later, there comes a point in a man's life when he's got to face some facts. And one fact I got to face is that whatever it is that women like, I ain't got it. I chased after enough girls in my life. I, I went to enough dances. I got hurt enough. I don't want to get hurt no more. By the time the 1970s rolled around, Shayevsky had slipped away from the naturalism of Marty and had stepped into satire. The hospital was a bitter comedic look at professional medicine and it won him his second Academy Award. Looking around for a new subject, Shayevsky set his sights on the medium that, although it had given him his break, was something he now regarded as, quote, an indestructible and terrifying giant that is stronger than the government. 
As he set out to write it, he called an old friend with whom he had worked back in the 1950s on a show called Danger, for which Shaevsky had written an episode called The System. Here is Network's director, Sidney Lumet. Two years before we, before we did it, Patty came to me and said, Sidney, I'm going to do a piece on television, and I think it'll be right up your alley. And uh, I said, Patty, terrific. Two years later, a script arrived. <laughs> Literally that simple. Everything that was discussed about television and that movie has happened, except we haven't killed anybody on the air yet. That's the only thing that hasn't happened, deliberately. Uh, but other than that, everything has happened. Lumet's transition from television to cinema came in 1957 with the Oscar-nominated Twelve Angry Men. From there, Lumet became one of the most highly regarded and sought-after talents. So much so that by the time he came to make Network, Lumet had amassed a stunning resume that included Failsafe, The Hill, The Pawnbroker, The Offence, Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon. When Shayevsky showed Lumet the script for Network, Lumet immediately recognised that the satire was so strong that he didn't need to add anything else. What you get is a camera style that is so unobtrusive it is almost anonymous. Director of photography Owen Reutzman approached it as if he were filming a documentary. Likewise, Alan Himes' editing. Nothing draws attention to itself and everything is deflected to focus on the performances. As for the soundtrack, this is one aspect of the film that is often overlooked. Although Elliot Lawrence composed the music for the film, Lumet applied it in a unique manner. Lawrence's score is limited to source music, the theme tune for the news show, the incidental music you hear in restaurants or on radios. Why? The film's real music is in the dialogue. Yes, Network is a satire. In terms of form, Network is an opera. From newscaster Howard Beale. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Head of the news division, Max Schumacher. Your television incarnate, Diana. Indifferent to suffering. Insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. War, murder, death. All the same to you as bottles of beer. Head of Network's programming, Diane Christensen. Did you see the news this morning? Did you see the Times? We've got press coverage on this you couldn't buy for a million dollars. Frank, that dumb show jumped five rating points in one night. Tonight's show has got to be at least 15. We just increased our audience by 20 or 30 million people in one night. Now, you're not going to get something like this dumped in your lap for the rest of your days, and you can't just piss it away. Howard Beale went up there last night and said what every American feels, that he's tired of all the bullshit. He's articulating the popular rage. Newly installed chairman of the network, Frank Hackett. The division producing the lowest rate of return has been the news division. With its $98 million budget and its average annual deficit of $32 million. I know that historically news divisions are expected to lose money, but to our minds, this philosophy is a wanton fiscal affront to be resolutely resisted. The new plan calls for local news to be transferred to owned stations divisions. News radio would be transferred to the UBS radio division, and in effect, the news division would be reduced from an independent division to a department accountable 
two network. Chairman of CAA, Arthur Jensen. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Lorene Hobbs, the communist revolutionary who insists on getting her 10%. The Ecumenical Liberation Army is an ultra-left sect creating political confusion with wildcat violence and pseudo-insurrectionary acts, which the Communist Party does not endorse. The American masses are not yet ready for open revolt. We would not want to produce a television show celebrating historically deviational terrorism. And right back around to Max Schumacher's betrayed wife, Louise. Every principal character in Shayevsky's script is given their own aria. When they talk to each other, they're in duet, wider to a triplet, a quartet, and so on, until we get the chorus. All great films have legacies. The very nature of their greatness cannot but impact on others. So what is Network's legacy? Well, it's too easy to suggest that the likes of Glenn Beck, Keith Oberman, Sean Hannity and Joe Scarborough are the sons of Howard Beale. In the years since Network was released in 1976, it has become impossible to watch the news without the presenter intervening between you and the content. Be it left, right, conservative or liberal, the networks don't so much present the news as tell us how to react. How do they do that? Their use of adjectives. Catastrophic. Outrage. Insult disturbing, grotesque. And the more they use the adjectives, the less meaning those adjectives hold. Gone are the days when reporting focused on the facts. Two planes were hijacked from Logan Airport in Boston this morning, and with the cabin crews immobilised, the hijackers crashed the planes into New York's World Trade Centre. With the collapse of the two buildings, it is estimated that over 2,700 people have been killed. But no, what we get is hyperbole, and sensationalism that whips up a tornado of hysteria. To the point where, well, it's not exactly life imitating art, but rather news imitating bad movies. Sam Goldwyn famously said that a movie should begin with an earthquake and build towards a climax. Well, Shayevsky begins network with what seems to be an outlandish premise. But somehow, as he develops his plot, that inciting incident pales into the realm of plausible. So much so that by the time it ends, the finale seems the perfectly rational, if not the only credible conclusion. So yes, Network is satire, but it is also tragedy, because it depicts an individual enduring such suffering that when he announces his imminent suicide, the only reaction is, how can we make money out of this? 
That, for me, is Shayevsky's ultimate point. Network is about the loss of humanity, all in the name of corporate profit.